welcome everyone to our Every Other Thursday podcast, where we cover the wide world of food service and hospitality. Our hosts cover both the relevant news of the moment and we invite key industry experts in for conversations that are informative, enlightening, and entertaining. Every Other Thursday is an approximately 40 to 50 minute conversation presented bi-weekly by Tabletop Journal. Now, here's your host of Every Other Thursday, Dave Turner. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Every Other Thursday. By the way, for those of you who are counting, and I know, especially some of you European people now, I know you're counting. This is episode number 21 of Every Other Thursday. I'm Dave. I'm your host here at Every Other Thursday, and I'm here once again with my colleagues, Greg Kirsch, and the lovely and the talented and vivacious Jay Alley. Hi, guys. How are you all doing? Hello, guys. Good. Just fine. Just fine. <laughs> that, that was a grumpy just fine. I'm doing just fine. You're just fine. You're in a non-disclosed location or uh, witness protectors program, right, Jay? Yeah. You are? Okay. All right. Everybody's good, though? Middle of August, summers are going great? Yep. So far, as good as they can be. Yep. We've got some great topics to cover today. No guests today, but we've got some great topics. But I really want to go over, before we leave today, I want to go over the great episode we had last time with Larry Deutsch. What a great branding guru and marketing guru he is. And he had some really cool stuff. So I want to talk about Mr. Deutsch and all he brought to every other Thursday. But I want to, uh, I got an interesting question to pose to you first before we get started. And I'll let you think about it while I do the, the business end of this stuff in, the, uh, in a minute. But the question I want to start today with, we've been in COVID since mid to late March, shutdown, lockdown, whatever you want to call it. And I want to know from you gentlemen, do you think the comeback has already started? And maybe like most comebacks, that you can't see it before it really gets far down the road. But is it possible that we're already starting to see the beginnings of a comeback in the restaurant and the hospitality business? So think about that for a minute. And then, of course, I want to finish up with uh, some really cool stuff talking today about our episode with Larry Deutsch. But we've got to get some business out of the way. So here we go. As most of you know that by now, most listeners know, every other Thursday is our 30 Minutes or So podcast where we take on the world of hospitality and food service. We give you our expert thoughts and opinion. And every other Thursday, it's brought to you by Tabletop Journal. Tabletop Journal is where we celebrate the products, the people, and the places all in the world of hospitality tabletop. Hey, before we finish up on this general business, guys, I want to let you know we're on a whole bunch more new platforms. People can find every other Thursday on a whole bunch of platforms, and we've never gone down through the list. We post it on on the website. But great, cool, incredible platforms for podcasts like Stitcher, certainly iTunes, Spotify we're on, iHeartRadio is new, Google Podcasts. Now, Google Podcasts is different than Google Play. Google Play, I just got an email the other day. They're winding that down. So some of our episodes are on Google Play, but they stopped adding them to it, and they're all over on Google Podcasts now. And recently we just added, we're on Podcast Attic and a platform called Listen Notes. So every other Thursday, reaching all corners of the world these days. So with that, and you have the question, the startup question today, is the comeback underway? Let's get this party started. Okay, so the question this week is, does the comeback in the restaurant hospitality 
industry already started and is underway. And like most comebacks when they get started, it's awfully hard to see them. You have to only see glimpses here and there. What do you guys think? Greg, first up. In some respects, I think it has in, in that the people that are watching this, they, you know, there's different predictions of whether 30, 40, 50, 60 percent of the restaurants will never reopen again. And most of those that are, are not going to reopen, I believe, have already been closed. So the survivors, whether that's 40%, 50%, what have you, they are people that, for whatever reason, they were working faster, they were better financed, they were better locations, better concepts, whatever the reasons, they are surviving now and they're, and they are, they're getting it. And I'm not saying that none will go out of business anymore, but it, so- it sounds like the worst has already passed us by. So those operators that are existing now, I think that they are going to keep on going and improving. So in that respect, I think that uh, we're, over, we're over the hump and maybe there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'll tell you, out here, in, I'm in Westport, Massachusetts, and there's, there's a lot of little places that Sandy and I would go over the course of the summer. And interestingly enough, going online to check them out, almost none of them have closed. Just maybe one or two that I've seen. And there's, there's chain restaurants out here like Olive Garden and stuff like that, Fridays. But other than that, not a whole lot. I mean, this is really dominated by privately owned spots, and it's very few that are closed for good. I mean, it's we're all busy. Well, I have a little bit of a different theory on at least part of that and that is that we're about four or five months in call it four months in of not paying rent if you're a tenant in any of these places and that the landlords for these business and and this can be a supplier business too doesn't have just to be an operator if you're a landlord and you have a restaurant or a restaurant supplier of some sort as a tenant, and they haven't, their business has gone to virtually zero, or at 10 or 15, 20% of, of what, the, what it used to be, you're having trouble paying your rent. And the problem now, I think, is going to be, and, I, and I've said this in a couple of other forums on our other podcasts, Seat Yourself, by the way, if the listeners out there haven't checked out Seat Yourself, that, that uh, drops every Monday night, and it's on a ton of platforms, you'll find us. But that's got, there's a lot of really cool things going on over there as well. But I've said over there that the squeeze is going to be on the landlords. And I really think that in the next 45 to 60 days, you're going to see some cards fall on the commercial real estate issue in all of this, not just having customers come in the door. Because even if you're a restaurant, restaurant tour, Greg, like you said, and you've made it to this far, you're still going to have trouble operating at 50% of your seating capacity. So where, how do you think that plays out? That people are going to get are going to get evicted, or or how, what? I think a couple of things. I, I think number one, if you are fortunate enough and you happen to own the premise that you're in, whether you're a supplier or you're maybe Jay, like some of the local people there that in in Massachusetts restaurateurs, they might own the building, and if you own it free and clear, that's great. Or if you've got liquidity that allows you to be able to pay your your mortgage or your lease while they're going on, that's fine. I also think the uh, light is going on over a lot of landlords' heads that they desperately need restaurants in that space. So they're trying to work it out, but banks are banks. Banks are in the money business, and they squeeze landlords, and landlords have to do something. So I don't know uh, where this all plays out, uh, but I'll just say I think for the next 45 to 60 days, 
it's going to be a tricky time for people who are dealing with the commercial real estate. In the beginning, it was like, oh my God, where are we going to get customers? How are we going to operate and whatever? And I think to your point, Greg, I think people have realized that and they've dealt with it. And matter of fact, Tabletop Journal has posted up some things on, on some great success stories on carryout. People really just crushing it with carryout. And that's good. That's, that's real good. So that's what makes me think that in some, some ways, those are the beginning signs that a comeback might be occurring. But I also think there's still, uh, I, would, I think it would all be naive to think that there wouldn't be more pain coming. Well, you know, you say that the banks are going to squeeze the landlords. But the thing is, is that if the, if the operators go out of business or get pushed out, who's there to replace them? I mean, retail, we're falling by the wayside, bankruptcy right and left. And, you know, who else is going to go into that spot? You can only have so many yoga yoga studios and those guys can't aren't open either well there was a uh, an interesting story and it escapes me where where i saw it it was really in a real estate story in new york city and you go like new york city that's that's like ground zero for disaster right now but there's somebody or actually a couple of women i think it was a chicago restaurant group who bought a fairly large space not overly, not enormous space, but it took out a lease on a big space to start in 2021, a version, what I, my words, a food hall, but a, but a narrowed down version of that. Yeah. Where you can go up and pick up the food, call ahead, go pick up the food, multiple types of concepts, that kind of thing. So when I see things like that and I see that Texas Roadhouse is, is crushing it with carryout, and I, I look over and I see Bloomin' Brands is doing a good job with, with certain things, you know, Darden too. You start to think that those are signs of positivity, a real robust comeback. I think that's still down the road, but it's got to start someplace. And, I, and that's why the question, do you think it may have already started? Well, that's interesting because, you know, Chicago has become like the springboard for food halls. We, you know, just before, up to the pandemic, they were opening all over the place and really, really interesting concepts. They were coming into Chicago. To Chicago entrepreneurs were taking them to other places. So it is interesting. The one thing, though, another thing, I guess, to throw another wrench to throw into the works here is social unrest. Besides the landlord issue is that here in Chicago, I got to tell you, you know, you know I'm, not, I'm not putting myself in the place of an investigative journalist. But just from people that I know that live downtown, it's horrible. I mean, and it's not even making the press what's going on down there. It's a myth, Greg. What's wrong with you? Yeah, right. <laughs> just a myth. It's not really happening. Damn your lying eyes. Now, now I'm right. Now I'm going to get uh, email and uh, phone calls and death threats. But uh, the way I'm getting the news is from the traffic report. I'm listening to the news report, and everything sounds, you know, okay. The traffic report says, don't come downtown, that the expressway ramps are closed, the drawbridges are up, yep. they've stopped the buses, they stopped the trains, they stopped the subways. And this is almost this has been like a nightly occurrence. So I don't and so and I can't project that to other cities in America. I mean, I read about Portland. Everybody reads about Portland, Minneapolis, things like that. Yeah. So I don't know if that's going on in other places or not, but that's certainly gonna I mean it's it's hard to predict. So when you ask your question, mm-hmm. I mean, that really has to be taken into consideration. I, and I think one thing I, I think is happening is we kind of like in the beginning, very early on, we thought, oh, my God, these private operators are dead meat. They're going to be the ones that are taking the biggest hit. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think that the private guys are, have done a great job of 
of being nimble on their feet, altering their businesses. But, you know, at the end of the day, you can go into McDonald's here in Massachusetts and pay whatever it is for a Big Mac, buck and a half, two bucks, whatever it is. A Big Mac in Chicago is not $5, I don't think. So the guys in the big cities can't quadruple the, the prices that they sell those kind of dishes for. I mean, even in the steak business, I mean, you steak at Smith Olinsky's is one price and it, it's not twice the price in Chicago. Now they're in Boston, so that may be a bad analogy, but I think that Dave's point of, I think the comeback has started. It's going to be hard to see and measure it because it's going to be different all over. And I think the places where we have the social unrest, these, these things are in, these cities are in jeopardy of dying. I mean, I've got friends I talked to in New York City. They said, Jay, you won't believe it. Sounds like what you're seeing in Chicago. Well, when, when you say dying, I would say dying for a while. Dying is a pretty, there was an article in New York Times about Midtown Manhattan. And there's just, a New York City, for instance, people talk about, oh, New York is dead. It's never going to come back. No, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah. It's supply and demand, of course, but when all those office buildings empty out, somebody's the, the rents are going to come down. They'll be affordable. People will move back into Manhattan. Manhattan is a special place. It's always going to, you know, ebb and flow a little bit. But yeah, when the prices come down and becomes affordable, those spaces will get filled up quickly. But the craziness will have to be eliminated. If it's still there, I don't think it'll it'll happen. Oh, safety! You got to you got to be safe first. You're yep. not going to go. It's not nothing's coming back if it's not safe. Yeah. Yep. That's why I think it's going to be really hard to measure because I think, look, it wasn't that bad in Chicago and New York. I mean, it was bad, but think about it now. Now those are some of the worst places on the planet to try to go anywhere. Nobody's going anywhere. I mean, every time you see a shot of downtown New York, there's nobody around. A few cabs going up and down the street. But Well, it's going to be, going to be interesting. I think our, our some of the comments that we made back in April and May are, are, are really were still spot on in that, in that you have some of the chains that have closed units, but they were probably overstored anyway. Right. And the dirty little secret, I always say, is there were some pretty crappy restaurants out there, and those probably needed to go away, too. So they cleaned those out, and people still want to commune with other people. They want to join and connect with people. And generally speaking, it's best done with food and beverage. Yeah, I mean, there's always some silver lining to every, <laughs> to everything. And and, yeah. and and you're right, you know, this is a – it's kind of – it's Darwinian. And it's really amazing to see the guys – that have survived and what they're doing. And they really are true, innovative entrepreneurs, but what they're up to. We posted up a story earlier today about TGI Fridays. And TGI Fridays has, has been killing it. They were trying to do a merger before COVID. They called the merger off, but their carryout business has exploded. And guess what? They're doing cocktails to go. And they just did a uh, international rum day cocktail where they had uh, Long Island iced teas. They were selling in a lidded cup for five dollars, and this is the part that I really like. They were selling something like a sixty-five ounce container of them for I don't know twenty-five or thirty dollars. So you selling them in bulk, and I think I think one of the things that I'm starting to see is the people that are, are at least. In these, are, in these very, very early stages, if we think this is a comeback, we're still in the very early stages of it. Everybody would admit that. Yep. But there are some people that are having success, Texas Roadhouse and others, and those people are being successful by already having a good plan and a good product, but being agile and adjusting and then readjusting again and adjusting a third time if they have to. Being nimble has really meant a lot to a chain like TGI Fridays, it seems like or maybe Texas Roadhouse. And I hope that, you know, these municipalities and these local governments and state governments that have been lenient 
in changing the laws, like the carry-out laws, that type of thing. I hope that these, now that they see that these actually work, we don't go back, you know, because already I've seen talk about, well, this is just a COVID change, being that, okay, once COVID is over, whenever that might be, we're going to go back. Why? Go back to what, though? In the case of, like, you know, carry-out mixed drinks. Uh-huh. That was never allowed in this area before where I'm at. And now it is. It seems to be working. Why go back? And the same thing, We're in, I live in a very uh, old, staid, traditional village along the lake. And we have our first restaurant in 120 years in this village. It was just, it opened up. And then the guy gets hit with a pandemic. And now the, the village has allowed him Wednesday through Sunday to bring picnic tables out to public land in the middle of a boulevard and serve uh, pizzas and drinks. And good, great. It's been great for the village. It's yep. been great for him. And yet, I was at the village meeting when this was being decided, and the uh, trustees, some of the trustees were going, well, now, how long is this going to be going on? How, you know, the implement? I mean, when can we switch back? So I know I'm getting off topic here, but, you know, I guess what I'm the point I'm making is here are guys and, and gals that are doing a great job of surviving and they need help along the way. And they're going to need help a long time after the vaccine comes around. Most restaurants could take, you could sell, you could sell them beer. You couldn't sell them wine to go. You couldn't sell them liquor to go. But like in our town in Pennsylvania, most every place you could get six pack of beer from the, their cooler, but that was about it. So I don't know if that's, I don't think that's changed, although I haven't been there much this summer. I've been up in New England. Well, one of the things that I liked about the story uh, with TGI Fridays is that they've been trying to transform themselves back into a bar-centric restaurant chain versus a food-centric one, thinking that that's more communal and more people gathering and all that. Better margins. Yeah, better margins. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was going to do. And so the idea of Cocktails to Go is not only better margins, but it's also better branding for them too. So I want to take a break right now, and I want to come back, circle back around, and I want to continue this conversation. I don't want to beat it to death too much about this comeback, but I want to talk about the suppliers and supply chain people and where they might be in that comeback. So let's take a break, and we'll come right back with more of Greggy, Mr. J, and myself here on Every Other Thursday. This episode of Every Other Thursday is brought to you by TabletopJournal.com. For more than nine years now, Tabletop Journal has been covering the food service and hospitality industry, all the while raising the awareness of just how important Tabletop is to the overall guest dining experience. If you haven't signed up for Tabletop Journal's bi-monthly newsletter, it's simple and easy, and it's free. Simply go to TabletopJournalNewsletter.com. Now, back to our podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Every Other Thursday. I'm Dave. We're here with Greg and Jay again, as usual, and we're talking about a possible comeback in the hotel, restaurant, and hospitality business. And is it underway already? And we're just having a little trouble seeing it. And we've been kicking that around a little bit. And now I want to shift over to the supply side. Jay, you know a lot about supply and distribution, and that's really kind of your sweet spot. What do you think is going on? Are suppliers still hunkered in? Are they still thinking about it? Or are some of those suppliers starting to show signs of a comeback already themselves? I think I think they're still hunkered down pretty good. I think that where they're getting most of their businesses in the uh, 
sanitary side of the business, the paper products and PPE products and stuff like that. I talked to a couple of guys over the last couple of weeks and that's as reps, that's where they're selling their stuff. So, but it seems like a lot of the, a lot of the big tabletop distributors are still hunkered down on our type of products. I have no way of knowing how they're doing with the chemicals and the cleaning stuff and all of that, but I'm sure they're doing okay. I think until we get back to a little bit higher occupancies in the restaurants and then the bars in those restaurants open up, I think it'll be tough for them to get back to even three quarter throttle. But I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just assuming it's an assumption. You still think that uh, <clears throat> what we talked about in terms of sequencing, glass goes first, dinnerware second, cutlery third in terms of in terms of permanent tabletop? Yeah, I mean, on our side, I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing orders coming in. We, we, we had two pretty good months, June and July. August is going to be maybe half of what we did the prior two months, but it's, it's a tough time in the business anyway because of vacations and all of that. But, yeah, the glassware, hey, obviously, if any kind of a dine-in place or place is putting glass on the table, that's going to go first. So, like I say, our business is doing okay. Our, a couple of our online customers are doing very, very well with it. So. Greg, you have a feel for some of the broadliners. Uh, what do you think is going on over there? Do you, you have any uh, feel for what a broadliner food service supply chain, you know, scenario might look like? Is that starting to pick up or is it still? Well, I think it's starting to pick, at least stabilize. Mm -hmm. It's not falling anymore and it is starting to pick up, but we're talking small numbers, you know. It's a long a haul. And it's moving. I think it's moving slowly. So like we said, I think it's stabilized. The guys that are going to survive have survived for the most part. People are going out more or they're, or they're eating more. They're, they're, they've learned to take out and carry out more. So, you know, I think consumption, food service consumption is increasing, but we're not talking leaps and bounds yet. Yeah, and I, I, in all the conversations I've had, and I haven't seen any indication that permanent tabletop is going to all of a sudden explode and go uh, start showing numbers that look like it's coming back to where it, where it previously was pre-COVID. Whether you're in Europe, in the United States, or in Australia, or any other market in the world, I think permanent tabletop, while well, it'll come back and there are going to be some projects that open up, I still think it's going to lag a lot of the other categories simply because you've got product out there already. Um, there'll be some people who freshen things up, and I think that's a great way to go these days. Maybe, you know, with a different platter or different cup and saucer program if the beverages are key to it. But more than likely, you're going to worry about having simpler menus, you know, getting customers in, keeping them safe, getting the return customers, you're going to focus on the operations of the business and, 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 you know, getting people in and getting them out first and foremost. Then you'll worry about some of the, the uh, while they're important to us in tabletop, you worry about those secondarily, I think. Well, you were talking, you were talking about the large distributors. If this unrest keeps going and starts to spread at all, I mean, because it appears that it's in some of the biggest. I'm with the social unrest. The social unrest in the big cities. I mean, think if you're a major deal like an Edward Don or a Wasserstrom or whoever. I mean, the business that you pull out of Chicago, New York, L.A., San Francisco, think about that. How do you even come close to replacing that in the smaller areas of the world? I mean, it's like out here. I mean, Cape Cod's got a lot of restaurants, New Bedford, Fall River. Three, four, five, ten blocks in New York or Chicago probably do more volume than, than these three different sections of our state does. I don't know, but, I mean, I, that's the part that scares me. How do these guys that write all of I mean, can you imagine what – a big dealer writes in New York across the board of all their product mix. I mean, that stuff starts shutting down because of all of this crazy stuff, boy. I don't know. 
I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but it's, it's scary. You know, one of the things we talk about the comeback and companies emerging out of this, McKinsey, well-known consulting firm, McKinsey produced a, a paper the, this past week on their website, and you can find it, talking about what it's like coming out. Are, are we emerging faster and stronger? It's some really interesting things. You, know, you talk about decision-making and people making decisions, you know, organizational decisions and, and on strategy decisions in some cases in weeks rather than years where they would take before. And you know, the agility that companies are starting to show, particularly in, in just to think about the restaurant business, think about all the things that have happened in the restaurant business that you never would have dreamed it could have happened. And they people turned on, on a dime practically and closed down one day and two weeks later they open up with all kinds of bulletproof glass and all kinds of different protocols. You know, they didn't work. Some of those didn't work, so they changed it again. And that decision-making, rapid decision-making, I think, really uh, flattened out organizations a lot and uh, really made companies understand that they can be a lot more agile. They can move much faster. And I think that's something. If you can move that fast under a COVID situation, how are you ever going to go back and be that slow, plodding company that you once were? You're never going to go back, I don't think. Yep. That's another silver lining that's coming out of all this. Well, one thing that ha has happened is I've seen that the quality of the food, in some cases, the portion, portions have gotten a little bit more generous. But the single biggest thing that I notice in the places that we go to around here, the service level has gone up dramatically. Now, you might say, well, maybe that's because there's a lot less people in the restaurant. I don't think so. I think that I think it is because they're now realizing you can't afford a bad experience. You just you can't afford one of them. And so the, the way the waiters and servers are taking care of their customers is really it's pretty impressive. It's interesting you should say that. I've had some I I'm like most people I guess and that I haven't gone out much and uh, we actually had takeaway sushi recently from a place here in my our area that we've gone to a lot and they've raised their prices slightly. But they gave their, their portions have been doubled. And wow. so, like, if you get a sushi roll, you know, it's typically something, you, you know, they slice it up and you can pick up with chopsticks or whatever. Now, it's this monstrous sausage that you can't even pick up with chopsticks. And the thing that's interesting about it, I know they're doing it to try to give more value to the customer. When, in fact, I found the experience to be the opposite. You mean the thing, you know, I couldn't eat it, it, fall, it fell apart, all this kind of stuff. And so I think there's a lot of interesting experimentation going on. I'm sure they're going to find their equilibrium, you know, in size. and. Yeah, but that, that didn't have to do with us. I mean, that's a takeout restaurant. So that's not, not, that's not service to you. That's just how they prepare their food. Yeah. They made it more inconvenient to what you're accustomed to. Right, right. I've been going there for years. Real quickly, back to the permanent tabletop. So again, I haven't gone out uh, like a lot of people. I've gone out. I've gone out less than usual. But there are a couple of places have actually changed their permanent dinnerware, and I know that I'm more. I'm watching it much more than the average person. But I gotta believe that somewhere at a subconscious level, even it's it's making a positive impact. It was great. It sure made the thing look nice. And I know I say this every time that operators are dealing with a lot of stuff right now. And probably the last thing that they want to, you know, or that many want to talk about is permanent tabletop, but it makes a difference. And I think it's also to echo that a little bit further. I think it's also an easy decision to make. You don't have to labor over it. You can just make, even if it's changing from plain white dinnerware 
to maybe something that has some color to it or a couple of pieces because the service is probably simpler. You can change to a better glass, maybe a different glass, maybe a water glass that's colored now. I mean, there's all kinds of little things. And I do think it matters. And I think it's subliminal to, to a certain level. But I think people want that fresh experience. They want something. They want to go out. It's great to be out. But what's different? You know, oh, that's nice. It, it just seemed better. You know, you're going to put more smiles on people's faces, I think, when they have that feeling of great service. It's a nice, fresh menu, maybe. that looks a little different than I had before, and so does the tabletop, too. See, I'd see a whole different thing, excuse me, on Greg's takeout experience. I think they were being kind to you because they want to make sure Cody, the wonder dog, is being fed properly. Right, yeah, right, yeah. You probably heard him barking out there. Sushi the size of a sub sandwich or something. It's dinner time. Yeah. But, you know, the, these guys, these guys being these operators are, are you know, are fighting for survival. And a lot of them are going to beverages because there's good margins there. And they want to please people. And so I may be playing right to a Jay's hand here. But, hey, if you give me, instead of just having your one standard wine glass, if you have a red wine glass and a white wine glass, people are going to notice that if you're trying to push that service, and that's your life raft, then make it good. Because that in, that in itself lifts up the value and the, you know, the experience that we, that we always talk about. And I'm not on uh, Jay's board of directors or anything, but, but uh, I think that, uh, that all that uh, glassware is important. You're on my test program. <laughs> Just to wrap up this segment, I, I, I really do hope that there is a comeback that's underway. And I think that there are enough, I've seen enough signals just tell me that at least in some parts and maybe in some regions and in some sectors, there is a little bit of a comeback that's starting to happen. And I, I think, hey, you know, maybe I'm just looking for optimism, but to me, that's a great sign. And we've got to take the first couple of steps before we can have the next series of steps. And I think that when I start seeing the restaurants reporting better than expected numbers and things like that, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. We're on the right track. I want to move on, and we've had some great people here on the last couple of weeks as guests, and we're going to have a gr- another great one on our next episode, and I want to talk about her at the end here. But last time, Larry Deutsch from DBK Marketing, he was awesome, and I really enjoyed that. I wanted to, we kind of uh, recapped it quickly at the end, but I wanted to touch base with you guys again to get your thoughts. What were some of the takeaways that you had from Larry's uh, visit with us? I think that his point that operators should be looking at retail and consumer issues to bring back those ideas to food service are important. I mean, you got to be looking everywhere in this day and age for ideas for success. And I think that a lot of the, you know, the, the grocery store ideas and, for example, they're going on. So there's, there's something in there for food service operators. And so I think that Larry's message is keep your eyes open and try to think about the entire experience. You, the operator, are a brand. Every little thing is part of of projecting that brand and that promise, whether it's glassware, dinnerware, permanent tabletop, food, service, every everything is part of the brand experience. I think that uh, operators kind of, you know, pretty much knew that somehow, you know, at some level, but now it's more important than ever. Yeah, the details really matter. Yeah, yeah. Everything we talked about with him when he was on, we talked about that episodes before in one form or another, but I think the thing that struck me 
is in the whole human experience, one of the things that came across is, and he deals with some seriously large companies. But at the end of the day, the message is still the same. Whatever you're doing, people are going to trust you. You've got to have uh, the right heart and soul in, in delivering your products and have a concern for your customers. So it's all, it was really great to hear that coming from him because it just reinforces, it doesn't matter how big or small you are, you really need to march, you all march into the same set of rules. If you're not doing it right, day in and day out, you know, walking a walk and you're not talking to talk, you got to do it all and you got to do it with sincerity and honesty and create trust with your customers. And it was really refreshing. Yeah. I think that the, the, the one comment that kind of just can't get out of my head from Larry Deutsch was the fact that people buy products, but they commit to brands. Yeah. And I think that's interesting, especially in, in this current time that we're in because we're in sort of a chaotic time in if i were a new brand coming on i think now would be a great time to whether in a supermarket or where i was in a restaurant to try and come get, to get my foot in the door in the market because everything's been turned upside down in terms of brand selection and choice and lifestyle and, and where i'd go how i choose my foods or whatever and i do think that greg to your point I think that there is going to be a closeness between the consumer shopping brand and the consumer dining out brand. And by that, I mean similar products, familiarity in brand names, familiarity in uh, ethnicity of foods that you might buy, things like that. I, I think there's a, Larry's right, a, a lot of the trends that you see going on in supermarkets, they're coming to supermarkets soon or are they coming to restaurants soon? Or maybe they're already there. You know, the one thing, too, that, you know, just because you're a small operation, you're right, you are the brand. And the thing that's interesting to me, and I don't know if it was something that you and I talked about, Dave, or not, but I remember someone said to me, it's like the brand's made up of the people and the ownership and all of that stuff. And a, a comment was made to me one time about, you, if you haven't figured it out, Jay, he said, people don't go to bars. They go to see bartenders. Interesting statement. Of course, they go to bars, but they go to be entertained. They go to get tremendous service. They And I, I believe it's the same with uh, you don't have to drink to have a great experience in a restaurant. But I think we gravitate toward places where we like the people. We like the service. The food is good. It's price fair. The tables look good. The place is clean. It's all that stuff we're talking about. What was the Cheers line? The best restaurant in the town is one that knows your name. Yep. Yeah. The connection. Yeah. Yep. Hey, speaking of supermarkets, I want to listen. I'm so excited about our net. This has been a great episode. I'm enjoying all the episodes from every other Thursday. And we've had, I said before, we've had some great guests. We've got another great guest who's going to join us next time. And uh, Jay, you know Madeline Trafon a lot better than uh, Greg and I do. But she seems like one awesome lady. And she's obviously an expert in wine. Mm -hmm. What can our listeners expect next week, do you think, from Madeline? Well, I think, you know, as, as the second woman in the world to receive the MS designation and... Uh, Master of Sommelier. Yeah. She, she won't, if you talk to Madeline, you don't really know her or she doesn't know you. I mean, she won't even mention to you that, that any of that. I mean, she is, in my opinion, one of the most knowledgeable people, and that's great. But I think the thing that makes her so special is that she has a way of interacting in any situation as a master sommelier and answering any questions that you might have without making you feel like you don't, you don't know anything. You ask her a question, you could know nothing about wine, and she'll answer it to make you feel good that you answered the question. So she's got that special talent. Not not everybody has that, whether you're a master sommelier or a chef. Or I mean, I've seen some chefs that are seriously quirky people. But, but Madeline's just, uh, I think, I'm not totally sure, but she started up in the business, and I think she got a lot of training and, and experience from uh, 
fellow that used to own Windows on the World, the original one. I think I'm correct on that. But she's just a, a such a down-to-earth person. I mean, everything she does is just understands service probably as, as well as anybody I've ever talked to. And, and I think that she and the Master Sommelier programs and stuff, I think that's something where she's gravitated. Yeah, I, I'm always impressed by people who have that body of knowledge inside them and they carry it around so easily. I've met her once. I was very impressed with how, as, Jay, uh, as you say, she's very approachable about the whole situation, about wines, about who she is and all that. But what I'm excited about is she has got a great background in the on-premise business, the restaurant business. And also now, and I, I think for the last eight or nine, maybe 10 years, she's worked with Plum Markets who are based in Detroit, but they've got a Chicago branch. And that's a gourmet market, as I understand. She'll tell us more about it when she joins us. But uh, she's running that wine program for them. Number one, I think it's very cool that a small market chain of maybe eight or 10, 15 units, they've got a somebody that runs a wine program, and that's pretty cool. But but they're doing all kinds of other cool things too. And I, I, I would encourage anybody who's listening now, if you want to find out a little bit about wines and about without being talked down to whatever, absolutely Madeline is that is that person. You're going to want to catch our session with, with Madeline. I'm excited to have her join us. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be on Thursday's September 3rd episode. So, yep. One of the kindest people I've ever met. She talks to you. She's got to be pretty kind, right? <laughs> Listen, I want to thank our listeners, and uh, it's great having you uh, join us again here on Every Other Thursday. We're going to continue to bring you great guests like Larry Deutsch, like Madeline Schwann, like some of the other people we've had, Bob Golden, Philip Preston. These people are, are subject matter experts, and we want to keep bringing those kinds of people to you, asking them the tough questions. The reaction we've gotten so far is that everybody's enjoying it, so we're going to keep on doing it. So that's it for us today. Go, and everybody stay safe and stay strong. Thank you. Take care, guys. God bless, everybody. Bye. This episode of Every Other Thursday has been brought to you by TabletopJournal.com. For more than nine years, Tabletop Journal has been covering the global food service and hospitality industry all the while raising the awareness of just how important Tabletop is to the overall guest dining experience. TabletopJournal.com, where we celebrate the products, the people, and the places, all in the world of hospitality tabletop. You can learn more about Every Other Thursday by visiting our website, EveryOtherThursdayPodcast.com. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of Every Other Thursday.